little help this morning. I'm wondering if this is Alaska we're living in. It is still Alaska, right? Uh, here it is, the um, 16th, 17th of September. And uh, I don't, did it frost here this past week? There was just a little bit of frost down in the valleys uh, out hunting. And in the past, uh, by October 1st, which is not too far away, the ground was put completely frozen solid. And uh, if you're going to do any building, uh, you're going to have to wait till spring. But this is very unusual weather, and uh, that may be a sign of the times we're in. We're in Matthew chapter 24. It's kind of a freight train lesson from last week. Freight train lessons are where you disconnect and then connect back up. And uh, we're looking in verses 36 down through 44, where we're studying the commands of the Lord. And he's going to say, watch therefore and be also ready. An imperative, a command. And in verse 36 of chapter 24, the, uh, Jesus is answering a question uh, from chapter 24 and verse 3 where his disciples in, were up on outside the temple on the Mount of Olives. And verse 3 of chapter 24, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And so he answers that uh, in these verses. And we're going to look at verse 36. That day and hour, that is his coming, Knoweth no man, no not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And so that's not about something extraordinary that they were eating and drinking and marrying, but that's just everyday activity. Just going about their everyday business, and then the flood came. And not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. There shall be two in the field, one shall be taken at the left, Two women shall be grinding at the mill, and one shall be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken. Therefore be ye also ready, and for such an hour as ye think the Son of Man cometh. And so there, in verse 42, 
the command, watch therefore. And then in verse 44, be also ready. Now, I've given you a handout, and it's kind of a summary of what we did last week, and I apologize for the smallness of it. Uh, when I came to the church this morning to do some printing, um, the computer and the printer wasn't meshing good. But uh, there's actually, in the Old Testament, we have really two comings of the Lord described. There's verses that talk about his death. But there's verses in the Old Testament that talk about his ruling. And those are mentioned there underneath the little seven-year tribulation diagram. In the Old Testament, there were two different pictures, two different pictures painted of the Messiah. One suffering, Isaiah 53 and Psalms 22. And one reigning as a king, Psalms 2 and Zechariah, many others. As we look back on these scriptures, we clearly see that they predicted two separate comings of the Messiah. The first coming as a suffering Messiah, and the second still future as a reigning king. And of course, the Jews had a problem with that. They wanted him to come and rule. They, they expected him to be the ruler, and he came to give his life. So two Two different comings. In the New Testament, we have another picture added. Again, we have two pictures painted. And they don't look the same. These two different descriptions of Jesus coming uh, point to two separate events. We call the rapture. That's not a biblical term, but it's a good description of what's going to take place of the saints. And then the second coming... And just a summary again of what we talked about last week. In the rapture, Jesus comes for the saints, but in the second coming, he comes with the saints. There's a coming where we're caught up in the air. And there's a coming where Jesus doesn't meet us in the air, but he comes down to the, very, to the earth. There's a, there's a coming where the Christians are taken and the unbelievers left. And there's a coming where the wicked are taken and the saints are left. There's a coming for, to uh, present his, his church to his father. The other is a judgment. One's a marriage and one's a war. One's in a moment, and the other is that the, it's going to be slow because all the world is going to be able to see him. One, only Christians will see him, and another, every eye will see him. He descends with a shout for the resurrection, and there's no shout mentioned in the second coming. The resurrection takes place. No resurrection can happen at any time, and another occurs after the seven years of tribulation. And so you can read those, but I just want you to see that, that those two comings cannot mesh together and be uh, the, sh the same. And so 
what I want to concentrate more on today than those two comings, I want to concentrate on the commands. Watch, therefore, and be ye also ready. Now, I, I believe that in the context here of these verses, it's talking about the second coming and not the rapture. Because he says, as in the days of Noah, so shall his coming be. And, the only, and, the, and what's, how it's going to be similar to the days of Noah is that when, when in the days of Noah, the people that were, that were spared and left here upon the earth were the righteous, Noah and his family. But the people that were unrighteous were destroyed. And, and so, so when he says one shall be taken and the other left, in the two different comings, there's two different pe people that are taking, and and in the rapture, in the in the rapture, where where all those saved are going to be, be the, the, in the rapture, the the saved are taken, and those left grinding at the mill are left to go through. They're going to go through the tribulation period. <coughs> But in the second coming, the the sheep are removed from the uh, the goat the goats are removed from the sheep, and what what who are, who are left are those that are saved, and they go right into the they're going to go right into the millennial kingdom, and those that are that are taken are going to be uh, the lost. So, uh, what's, what's, um, what's important for you is not so much the second coming, because we're, we're going to be coming uh, with the Lord. And so I want to just, uh, just look at this passage and, and talk about the importance to watch and be ready even for the rapture and not the second coming. For us that are saved, the second coming is not going to be an event that springs upon us. The Lord's going to say, get on your horse and let's go. And we'll know all about that. But we don't know when the rapture is going to take place, when, when we are going to be taken out of this. So we won't, we're not appointed unto a day of wrath. The saints of this age are not going to go through that time of, of tribulation, the great tribulation. And so... The uh, first thing I want you to see, go with me over to about watch and be ready. If you go over with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and some of these verses we looked at last week. But 1 Corinthians chapter 15, when we think about the coming of the Lord in the rapture, one of the, one of the words that we could use to describe that is that it's going to be sudden. The, the rapture is going to be sudden. It's not going to, you're not going to get a notice in the mail. There's not going to be an amber, uh, uh, you know, a rapture alert like an amber alert. There's not going to be any pre-warning or pre-indication, but it's going to be sudden. And, and 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and 51 we have it described for us. 
Behold, and remember, when he's talking to the Corinthian church, he's talking to believers of the church age. He said, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That is, whenever the New Testament describes the death of the saints, or the place of the saints, or the situation of the saints who have perished, have died, they're said to be asleep in Jesus. They're not dead, separated from the Lord, but they're sleeping. But we shall all be changed. And so, there's going to be um, not a, a greater privilege for those who already died, but we're all going to be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, someone has said that the blink of the eye is one fiftieth of a second, but the twinkling of an eye is not, it's not uh, the blinking. That doesn't mean you blink, but it's when you know, light shines off your eye. It'd be fast as, fast as light. And the twinkle of eye at the last trump, and remember last week we said that this last trump does not correspond with the trumpets of Revelation, which is in the mid-tribulation period where great tribulation is, but it was the last trump of Israel when Israel was camping in the wilderness. There was sound to get ready and break down their tents to be ready to move. You imagine, you know, over a million people, some estimate, were traveling. And then the last trump that would be sounded would be when they take off, they start to move. And so he's saying that the last trump, this is when you're moving, you're changing, you're changing uh, place, locations. So sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruption must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And so, it's sudden. How quick is it? Well, as quick as the twinkling of an eye. The, the, uh, the fastness of it. There's absolutely no time to prepare. Either you'll be ready, or you won't be ready. You know, sometimes people about being saved and, and they've told me, well, you know, I understand what you're saying and I understand my need, but I still want to live a little bit more. As though, <laughs> as though uh, to be saved is that you quit living. When to live is Christ and to die is gain. That he came to give us life and life more abundantly than none of us really ever lived to our fullest until we were saved. But there won't be time to prepare. And the Bible is very clear. If you go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible is clear that we need to encourage people to prepare. Prepare for the coming of the Lord. And the greatest preparation is that we might know him as our savior. We, we may not be involved in exactly in his will when he comes as Christians, but the great thing that we need to know is that we will meet him in the air and forever be with the Lord.
And so 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and the day of salvation have I succored thee. And so the Lord is talking about drawing people. And he says, Behold, and that's a command. <laughs> Behold, understand, now is the accepted time. Accepted time for what? Now is the accepted time to do business with God concerning your sin. If you're sitting here this morning and you know that you're not yet saved, you know that you don't have what others have, that you, you know that you don't have the peace uh, but concerning your sins. He says, today is the time to accept Christ as your Savior. Today is the time to settle that. Today is the time to repent. And he said, now is accepted. Uh, behold, now is a, uh, behold, now is accepted time. Behold, now is a day of salvation. And so there is no promise of tomorrow after this occurs. What you have, what all of us have, even excluding the rapture, what you have is now. You don't know if you have this afternoon. You have now. And that's what he says. Behold, now. We need to live in the now. We need to be prepared in the now. Okay. Now, go with me to uh, Luke chapter 17. And we'll see the same kind of wording that we just saw. But in Luke chapter 17... And verse 34. It's going to be not only sudden, but it's going to be uh, solemn. Luke 17 and 34. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed, and one shall be taken, and the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together, and the one shall be taken, and the other left. Two men shall be in the field, and one shall be taken, and the other left. Well, if you, uh, if you are not born again, when the rapture takes place, it's going to be um, a very serious, sober, solemn time. And um, you're going to be, you're going to be left. There's a possibility that wives will be taken and husbands left. 
the co-laborers will be taken and others left. And, and uh, how is that all going to be explained? How's that all going to be uh, covered up? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how. I do know that the Bible, the verse that Chris looked up for us last week, that God's going to send them strong delusions that they believe a lie. But it's also a, 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 a big, the beginning of that period called the tribulation and the great tribulation. And the Bible talks about world war. It talks about famine. It talks about a quarter of the population dies. It talks about earthquakes that are so severe that people plead with the rocks to fall on them. In that time, a third of the sea life dies. A third of the waters turn bitter. And uh, a third less light from the sun and the stars. Can't grow good crops if you only have a third of sunlight. It's going to be a great famine. It's going to be things that this world has never experienced. And there's going to be things that occur that surely would, uh, would be attributed to something supernatural is happening here. Solemn. And so when he says, be ready, maybe part of that should involve a little bit of uh, solemnness concerning those that we know are not saved. I know that Paul says, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that he might be saved. And he, but Paul also said that he had a continual sorrow in his heart. Not as a Christian that he went around with his chin on the ground and depressed. But there was in his presence an, an understanding and a, and a consciousness that this person that I've passed by today on the road, that we, we just kind of, hello, how you doing, and continue on. And even with many times people that we love and know, how you doing, and continue on. But may God give us the, the stirring in our soul that the people that we pass on the streets, if they're not born again, they're condemned to die. They're on death row. There ought to be some soberness about us. I'm afraid that, that I uh, become comfortable in the situation I find myself that 
I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I don't have any worries about that. I'm just trying to live a comfortable life here. And uh, and though we don't word it, sometimes we live with the actions and the attitude. Let them go to hell. Something about us that we can't look over Jerusalem and weep as We really do need to be more conformed to his image, don't we? And so, God's not against us making plans. The ant was to get out and work. He's not against that. And what I'm trying to say this morning is, there needs to be more of a balance in my life. And I think particularly when you come to the age that I'm at, 73, that you probably look more towards heaven and people irritate you more. And you don't want to be troubled about some things. But there ought to be a solemnness about us. And he commands us, to be ready. He commands us to watch, therefore. And uh, we need to work while it's still light. You, you, you guys got to know that I took these notes from somebody else because I do not use all the same letters when, in any of my messages. <laughs> SSS. It's going to be shocking. It's going to be shocking. Matthew chapter 7. Same, same phrase again. Um, and 21. Matthew 7, 21. Not, this is a little different phrase. Not everyone, Matthew 7, 21, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, and so enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Probably the greatest tool that Satan uses to give a false hope to people and to keep them from truly repenting is religion. That's right. 
I think it was Marx that said, you know, the promoter of communism. I think Marx said that religion is the opium of the people. And false religion is a drug-like effect. And they put their hope in that. But here's the deal. Even, you know, even in that, the Holy Spirit is sent into the world to reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And he's on the job. There is no peace in false religion. That's a peace <laughs> like there is in knowing him as our Savior. And so people are going to be shocked. There's always going to, I, I, I believe personally that they can have a hope and they can think that, you know, I'm okay. But, but deep down within, there's still a nagging doubt. And sometimes as Christians, we can have doubts and that's what First John's written for. These things are written that you might know you have salvation. But true Christianity is a no-so salvation. And whenever we begin to doubt and we're truly saved, it's because we probably got away from the Word of God. But there are those that are going to be shocked. God knows. He knows them. Nobody's going to squeak in on some kind of religion. All all roads do not, uh, religious roads do not lead to heaven. Let's look at some of those verses. John 3, John chapter 3, and verse 3. John 3 and 3, Jesus said, Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily, verily, I said unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He needs to be born again in verse 7. Marvel not that I say, nor not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The salvation is of the Lord. The salvation is an act of God. That salvation begins with God seeking those who are lost. He came to seek and to save those which are lost. Not those that were elected, not those that were preordained to be saved, but he came to seek and to save that which is lost. And the Holy Spirit is on his job. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven among men, whereby we must be saved. Look in John chapter 14. We're in the book of John here. John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And what the point of that is that we can know. We can have peace. We can, we can have a surety. 
that uh, we're going to go to heaven. And so he says, watch and be ready. Don't put it off. He gives the illustration. If you knew somebody was coming to your house that night and he was going to steal your stuff, being an Alaskan, you're probably going to be there with your shotgun. You're going to be ready. And so he, he's particularly talking about being ready that your soul is secure. And uh, if you're not, it's going to be shocking. It's going to be shocking. Just as it'd be shocking that you heard a noise in your house. And you go downstairs and here's a guy armed to the teeth and he's robbing your house. Shocking. You see, uh, you see, there really is a heaven and a hell. There really is a mansion and a place of torment. And people really do go there. And it'll be shocking. But it also will be for some satisfying. Look over in First Thessalonians. What am I looking forward to? Well, we ought to live life. We ought to live life to the fullest. What we do, we ought to do it heartily as unto the Lord. But what uh, should we really... What, what was going to be satisfying? I thought, well, you know, when I get to Alaska, it'll be so satisfying for me to catch a king salmon. And I remember hooking my first one. And boy, the adrenaline must have been running. <laughs> because when I finally got him to the back bank, my muscles were so sore. <laughs> because of, not so much that he pulled hard, but he was pulling hard, but because of the adrenaline And uh, I was so excited, and my life of being an Alaskan had taken on one of the great privileges of Alaska. But you know that joy and excitement, it was over in a week. The first moose that I killed, boy, you know, when I grew up in Eastern Oregon, the, the, the great goal of a majority of young men in Eastern Oregon was to go to Alaska and shoot a moose. But you know, that all, uh, that all goes away.
But there's going to be a day when we meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. The Bible says in his presence is joy forevermore. That we're going to live in a place of eternal bliss, eternal happiness, eternal joy. We're going to live in the presence of our Savior. And this is what Paul's trying to relate to the Thessalonian people, Thessalonica. They had a question about when people died and were buried. And he says there in chapter 4, verse 13, But I would, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. I was working with a missionary one time, and we went to visit these people, and they were Plymouth brethren in religion. And so he told them this joke that the Bible talks about brethren, Plymouth brethren in the Bible. <laughs> I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. I don't know how well they took the joke. They laughed, but uh, he's not talking about Plymouth Brethren. He's talking about those that are saved. And I want you to be misunderstanding. I want you to understand exactly concerning them which are asleep, those that have died. That you shall not, even as others have no hope. Maybe you've seen pictures of people in Muslim countries and other countries that are false religion and they're at the grave. And there's no hope. In the smaller towns of Eastern Oregon where I grew up on Memorial Day, everybody goes and they decorate the graves and think about those that are in the, in the grave. I think there ought to be respect for those who have been here and gone on. But I never enjoyed it, and I've never done it. Because uh, we don't have to sorrow of no hope. That when my brother died, the great hope was, well, he gets to see my dad, he gets to see my granddad, he gets to see my grandmother, he gets to see my mom. And, uh, and as eternity has no time and a moment, I'll be there with him. Sorrow, which have no hope. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. I'm not saying it by my word, it's the word of the Lord. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or proceed or hold back them which are asleep in the grave. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. What a blessing. We're going to meet him in the air. And he says that we need to keep this in mind because it's going to be a, a comfort. 
and Revelation 21, it says, it says, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Anybody cry last year? No more crying. No more crying. And God shall wipe away all tears. And there should be no more death. I remember going to my brother's funeral. I was a pallbearer. Maybe this is tradition in every place, but it's tradition in Eastern Oregon. When they get ready to lower the casket into the ground, people, the, the uh, pallbearers take the boutonniere off and go and stick it on the casket. that was probably the hardest point in the day but I immediately raised back up and knew that I'd miss him but I didn't stop without hope and so we're talking about the great satisfaction There'll be no more death, neither sorrow. How many was sad last year? Anybody cry? Neither shall there be any more pain. Your old back give you problems. Did your joints hurt? For former things are passed away. I always like seeing new things. My family, they can watch a movie and they like the movie and they can watch it again a year later and they can watch it again a year later and then watch it again two years later. No thanks. I've seen it once. <laughs> once is enough. And move on. Well, boy, we're going to see a lot of new things. Everything's going to be new. Job, though probably the oldest book in the Bible, talks about his body, and he said that it was going to be fresher than a baby's skin, something along that line. It's going to be satisfying. I've always imagined myself to be tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> the mirror never lies. And remember when we talked about in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about that the body is going to be, our new body is going to be like the seed that's been planted and comes forth. And so when you look at me today, you look at me like I'm a pea seed that's in that little packet. Have you ever, you know, planted, maybe not peas, but 
other stuff. And when you take that pea seed out of the packet, it's hard. It's all shriveled up. And you stick it in the ground, and the germination, it comes up. What went in the ground was a pea, and what comes out of the ground is a pea plant, and it reproduces all kinds of peas. And if I go back and try to dig up the, the, the pea I put in there, it's gone. Well, the Lord is saying a new body is going to be like that. I'm still going to be identified as, as a P. I'm still going to be identified as Gene Humphrey. But what you're looking at here is the old, hard, shriveled up Humphrey. Well, there's coming a day that it's going to be much more satisfying. And a total different body. Look back there. And First um, Corinthians 15 again, and 51. He said, First Corinthians 15:51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I think that's where we quit reading before. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. That means this thing that decays is not going to decay. And this mortal, which only lasts for a certain time period, shall put on immortality. No, no uh, death date. So when this corruption will have put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? It has a sting, but it's going to be this. Well, someone has said the stinger, which is Satan, is going to be stung. O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable. You see, this is one of the other reasons why we need to watch and anticipate the coming. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. What makes me steadfast? Knowing that I'm not going to stay here. Unmovable. I'm not going to vacillate. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. There's going to be a new home. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I were told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. There will I, that, that where I am, there you may be also. And then... There'll be uh, the last S. They'll be sad. I have a twin sister that's not saved. She don't want any conversation about salvation. And it'll be sad. You know, the, and I think that's why the Bible tells us that God will wipe away all tears. I don't know. I don't know how 
thinking is going to go in eternity, but I'm pretty sure that I'm not going to grieve over people that I wanted to be saved in eternity. But it's going to be sad. I have a grandson that's well, well ready to be born again in a nil chick. Smart, he knows. And if the Lord comes before he decides, before he repents, before he humbles himself, before he realizes that he's condemned to die, it's going to be sad. And so I think one of the things that he says when he, he calls upon us, one of the reasons that he calls upon us to watch and to be ready is he wants us to um, be doing what he left us here to do. Go to all the world and make disciples. Preach the gospel to every creature that every opportunity we get, we share Christ and warn them, warn people that there's a judgment day coming. Are you ready? And are we watching? This whole world in its fallen state and as a tool, you know, what, what is our enemies? Well, the world, Satan, and the flesh. And Satan uses the world to entice us, to appeal to our flesh. And we can get sidelined. We can get off what our duty is to do. We can forget that this is not our home. This is not our home. Go ahead and knock yourself out. Work, 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 work until you can get that mansion you want. Until you can get to that place and all those goodies that you want. But understand this. They burn really good. This is not your home. Okay? You're dismissed.